0: Father God, as we think about the subject, the topic, the mystery and the wonder that is grace, I pray that the Holy Spirit would open eyes to great revelation, to an impartation of truth that some of us may know partially. But God, we get the full deal, the full scope of what you did for us on the cross of the liberty and the freedom that you purchased for us of that our shame and our guilt is gone and that we can walk in all that you bought for us through your blood. Father, would you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. Good morning. What a, Some great worship. Good to see you. Welcome, you guys. Great to have you. It's been an amazing weekend. People have been saved. God's setting people free. And it is exciting. Two weeks from now will be Easter. I don't know about you guys, but I love Easter. Y'all like Easter? I love it. Easter reminds the devil that he lost. And man, I just love Easter. There are cards at every campus, it's got our children's thing on one side and some of our creative element for those two weekends because we're doing two big weekends Easter. And the weekend after, we'll have a movie that'll take up most of the service that we've uh, written and produced and shot, another Epi original. And so you absolutely don't want to miss. It's a great weekend to invite people, bring your VIPs, people that it wouldn't be heaven without them. And so I want to really challenge you to be here and be faithful. And it will be great. Well, we're talking about series. In this series, we're talking about grace. That's why you see the big greater than symbol, because grace truly is. Greater than. It's greater than the Old Testament. It's greater than the prophets. Grace is greater than all my sin. And so grace is unmerited favor, and grace is awesome. And once you're exposed to it, once you experience it, once you've experienced a full revelation, it's wonderful. Now, what I want to make sure is you don't get confused because whenever bad things happen to us, we just sort of figure God's mad, right? I mean, if God wasn't mad, life would be perfect. We'd never get sick. We'd never have a financial problems, marital problems. We'd never lose a job. Well, we'd never do that. You only would believe that if you've never read your Bible. Because bad things happen to God's people, don't they? Believers get cancer. Believers' marriages can fall apart. Believers can go bankrupt. Believers can lose their job. And because we think that we've got this sort of works mentality, well, if, every, if anything's gone wrong, it's because God's mad. Well, don't confuse on sometimes just this, We live in this cursed world, right? I mean, this world is cursed. It is. And, and everybody is going to struggle. The Bible says rejoice when you encounter various trials and temptations. We're going to experience those things. But another thing I want us to sort of pack in as we sort of unravel grace for just a little bit, and that is that the sting of sin is death, right? And Jesus took out the sting of death. Let me tell you what, Jesus did not take out. Take out. If you're listening, Sam, Amen. Jesus did not take out consequences. And so if you just step all into stupid. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you just get all in. You ever just got in all into stupid? Have you? You see how weak that way? I'm going to change my sermon to liars. Because we've all just stepped into stupid. Whenever you step into stupid as a believer, you're forgiven. Amen? But you still got stupid on you. You know, and so, and so the consequences, Jesus didn't take away consequences. And I want to tell you, if you're a believer, God's not mad. Quit trying to appease God because God was angry with you. Be honest with you. God knew that you'd sin. God knew what you would do. And God was mad about that. He was chapped about that. He was vengeful. He was wrathful. And he was just in his anger. And all of his anger towards you fell on Jesus on the cross. Matter of fact, Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what was happening is all of your sin was being heaped on Jesus. And he said, it is finished. It's paid for. cha Paid in full. So God's not mad. Amen? Come on. (laughs) Woo! Man. He's not mad. Last week, we memorized Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says, for by what are you saved? By what? Are you saved? And that through what? It is not as a result of your what? Yourselves, it is a gift of who? Not as a result of? Lest anyone should. Why should we brag like we're bigger, smarter, faster, stronger, better than other people when everything we had's a gift? Are you with me? It'd be like somebody birthday present, open up their presents, bragging they got more than everybody else. It was your birthday. People brought you this. See, God gave us grace, God forgave us. He did all the work. We did the sin and He did the forgiving. And so in this series called Greater Than, we're just picking up this huge diamond that is grace and we're spinning it. And if you've ever spent, you know, taking a diamond and moved it around, it's multifaceted, it's got all kinds of colors and brilliance, and we're just looking at the wonder and the mystery that is grace. So what I want to do is talk about something that we probably haven't talked about much, and I want to talk about the two major covenants in the Bible. There are a lot of covenants. There is the Adamic covenant, the Edenic covenant. There are a lot of covenants, but there are really two major covenants, and that is the law and grace. It is Moses and Jesus. It is the Old Testament, and it is the New Testament. Through the Old Testament, through the covenant of works or the law, you were accepted based on your behavior. If you did this, then God would accept you. If you blew it, then God would reject you. In the New Testament, your acceptance unto God is based solely on what Jesus did for us on the cross, not on your works. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty thrilled about that. I'd much rather have the grace than the laws. Anybody with me? Now, this is the deal. If you take the book of Hebrews, the book of Romans, or the book of Galatians, that is the major thrust of those three books. It is that grace is greater. The book of Hebrews is about Jesus and grace, and it is, in fact, without a doubt, greater. In Hebrews chapter 13, let's just look at that for a minute together. He, I mean, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, and let's look at what it says. It says this, When he said a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Whatever whatever's becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear Listen, the Old Testament law, the salvation by works is obsolete. It is no longer the one that works. Now we're under a new covenant, and that is a covenant of grace. Jesus said this, you cannot put new wine in what? Old wineskins. You can't put the new in the old. It is water and oil. They simply cannot, will not, and will never mix but because we come at this relatively with a, a humanistic mindset, this is sort of the way everybody across the world believes. They believe that you do something wrong, you sin. Well, it's worse sin than that. You sin, and you tip the scales. So what do you do? Man, I got to come over here. Man, I got to do something good. I got to go to church. So I go to church. Okay, that's not good enough. I give a little money. I try to serve, <laughs> and, and now I'm good. Really, I'm good now, but then you do something wrong. Oh, boom, you're going to hell, and then you do something good again. It, whoa! it goes the other way. This is religion. This is the deal. And so, because this is how we view it, we tend to think if anything goes wrong, God is mad, or if we do anything wrong, then God is mad. But when you understand pure, pure and total grace, it is absolute freedom. See, people ask me all the time, but what do I have to do? See, what do I have to do? I mean, the rich young ruler, Jesus, what do I have to do? Nicodemus goes to Jesus is not. But what do I have to do? See, I've got to do something. What do I have to do? How do I earn it? How do I get the scales tipped in my favor so that God's not mad? Listen, listen. If you're listening, say I am. am. If you're any believers, let me see you. Any believers in the house, if your hand's up, God's not mad at you. Your spouse may be, but God is not. (laughs) He's not mad. Because his anger was poured out on his son. Same chapter of Hebrews, chapter 8, verse 6, says this. Now he, talking about Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant. The new covenant is better than the old covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant, the law and works, had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. But because no flesh is justified, nobody is made right before God by our good deeds. There had to be another covenant. Does that make sense? See if the law would have worked. If our being good enough would have gotten us to heaven, then Jesus would never have had to come and die on the cross for our sins. Let me put it another way. For 1500 years of the nation of Israel dominated by the law, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. While they while they were doing that, the best that Israel had failed. The best, the most godly, King David a man after God's own heart. Why was David a man after God's own heart? Because David would do whatever God told him, so he's a man after God's own heart. Now, here's the guy. Here's the best the brightest. Here's this godly. He wrote two-thirds of the book of Psalms. Here is the great worship leader. is on his roof checking out a naked chick bathing because he's got the highest roof in the city. He's watching a lady bathe, and he gets turned on. He sends his servant, hey, go down there and get that chick. He has sex with her. She gets pregnant. He tries to bring her husband back from the war so that he could think that that child was his. But the husband would not go home and have sex with his wife. And so David is forced to murder her husband and then cover it all up. He's he's all innocent, Bathsheba Gate. Are you with me? This is God's best. This is God's brightest. Who could not hold up under the law because none of us are justified by our Works. Under, I want you to get this. If you listen, I, I am. Under the law, the best failed. Under grace, the worst are saved. That's a good stuff. That's preaching right there. I'm just going to tell you. You might not know it, but that is good preaching right there. Under the law, the best failed. Under grace, the worst won. And see, when I when I think about where I was when God found me, you know, a drug dealer, a dope addict, needle marks, man, I mean, been stoned for years. Just man, this washed up guy. Listen, I didn't claw my way out of sin by my good works and by me deciding I was going to clean me up. No, I was sunk. I was done. I was toast. Jesus walked by this orphanage, called mankind and said, look at that guy. He's down there. I'm going to adopt him. I'm going to pick him up. I'm going to blow some life into him. I'm going to forgive him of his sins. I'm going to wipe all those things away. I'm going to give him a brand new start, and I'm going to bless him. See, we are blessed not because of what we have. We are blessed because of who we have. And if you got Jesus, you are blessed to the max. And so today, I'm not a preacher, so God will be happy. God's already happy with me. Are you with me? God's already happy with you. I'm a preacher because God called me and said, Hey, I want you to give this great message. Listen, if it's not good news, it's not the gospel. And so, man, I love giving the good news. And so, the problem is this because so many believers don't know this Bible. Would y'all agree with that? So many believers don't know their Bible, they live in bondage. It'd be like you had a million dollars in the bank and not knowing it. If you had a million dollars in the bank, would you live different today than you're going to live? Sure you would. You'd go to Ruth Chris for lunch instead of Crystal. Come on, work with me. Life would, I would anyway, and you could take me and Michelle. But. The deal is that, see, life would be different, but because we don't view ourselves like that, we view ourselves as under the law. and We see ourselves, we're guilty because of what we've done, and we feel shame because of our past. We live in bondage, and the devil wraps us up with his lies, and we feel guilty, and people want us to feel guilty, and we feel shame. Now, listen, I was a drug-dealing, back-alley, low-rent, skirt-chasing Hellraiser, now can you imagine all the memories that are in my mind? And some of you can't. And thank God that you didn't go through what I went through with people like me. But I'll be reading my Bible, and across my, across my mind will watch the most evil, vile image that I participated in. And I used to say, God, I'm so sorry for that. Now I just say, I rebuke that in Jesus' name because God's already forgotten it. I'm not going to remind it. Because, see, that's done. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. And if you don't have a biblical, if you don't have a biblical basis, if you don't get it, then you won't know it. Are you with me? Because Jesus said, what I put in the Father's hand, no man can pluck out. That's the deal. Now, there's a difference. I said we're going to talk about covenants. There's a difference between a covenant and a contract. If you are older than high school, then you have probably entered into a contract. Have y'all signed a contract? Now, have you ever signed a contract and still got screwed? See, you've been where I have. And I'm going to tell you why, because a contract doesn't carry much weight, does it? Not in America. Used to be a handshake, now it's a sign of a pen. Still doesn't matter much. People don't follow that. That's why God is not a contractual God. God is a covenantal God. Because a covenant is better than a contract. Because a covenant is sealed in blood. In the Old Testament, it was through the sacrifice of animals. And in marriage... When a couple gets married and they consummate their marriage in their, in their wedding bed, blood is involved. Why? Because it's not a contract between the man and the woman. It is a covenant. Are you with me? It is stronger than a contract. Now, we in America walk, walk away from marriages like they're a contract, but they're a covenant. That's why I tell Michelle, if Michelle ever leaves me, I'm going with her. Because we're in a covenant. We're in this covenant. Man, we are one. And God said, what I put together, let no man separate. See, it is a covenantal deal. And so now God's got the old covenant. He starts the new covenant. By the way, as you read the New Testament, the new covenant begins after the resurrection of Jesus. During Jesus' lifetime of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it is still under the law because the sin has not been paid for yet. Are you with me? See, the, the new covenant begins after the resurrection. And you say, wait a minute, whoa, hold up. New covenant, old covenant, Adamic, Edenic, you know, man, I don't even know what those mean, mosaic, law, grace. This sounds like a seminary class. We don't need to know that. No, you don't need to know that if you want to stay in bondage, if you like shame and guilt. You don't need to know any of this. But if you want to walk in the freedom, listen, that Jesus bought and paid for, because one of the last things he said on the cross says, cha it's paid for, telestai, and in the Greek telestai is what they stamped when you paid something off, paid in full. That's what he said paid in full, and when we realize what Jesus did for us, and we realize that this, is, that this is the rat race of religion, and this is not what God, this is not what Jesus did for us on the cross, see, we don't, then don't, we don't walk around with the wrong impression, we don't walk around bound by the law, we don't walk around bound by guilt and shame, because all of our sin is covered, amen, that's why the gospel is so good, now, I love the Old Testament, I read the Old Testament every verse, I read it through every year, I read the New Testament twice, but because we read it if we're not careful, and Paul warns us in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, he said, study to show yourself approved, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling, or it's translated in other versions, it's translated rightly dividing the word of truth. So as a believer, you're reading the Old Testament. You have to rightly divide the Old Covenant from the New Covenant. Our problem is this. Are you listening? As we read the Bible and we take that Old Testament and we place it on top of the New Testament, we take the Old Covenant of the law and we try to mix it with grace. And listen, whenever you want to walk by grace, you can come under fire. From the book of Acts to the book of Revelation, the greatest fight for the church was not with the devil. They overcame the devil, man. They were cooking in that generation. Their greatest battle was with the law and the lawyers, not lawyers, but people that, that saw the, also oversaw the law of God, the Judaizers, the Jews, that Paul was not killed for preaching to lost people. Paul was killed for people under the law that wanted to get rid of grace. Are you with me? Well, yeah, salvation is by faith, and being circumcised, and keeping the law of Moses, and going to the temple on the Sabbath, and 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 and. See, they wanted to add to grace. Whenever you've added something to grace, it's no longer grace; it is now works. Does that make sense? He said, but "Wait a minute, Pastor. Hold up. Chill. Wait just a second. If you if you preach it like that, then man, people will sin." You already sinned. <laughs> You're gonna sin more? Well, well this, this is so stupid. Pardon my French. That's not French, it's English. But it's stupid. See, when you are saved, you got a new heart. Are you with me? New heart. Second Corinthians 5:17. If you if anyone's in Christ, behold, all old things are gone and new things have come. You're brand new. And I used to tell people when I first got in the ministry, they you know, so I would talk to somebody, they would say, Are you saved? Yeah. Yeah, I'm saved. You go to church? No. You know, you're a drunkard. You, you're a hellraiser. You're this, you're that. You're, yeah, you're saved. Absolutely. I'd look at them now and say, Nah, probably not. Oh, yeah, I prayed a prayer when I was seven. It didn't make it to heaven. <laughs> well, I, my preacher told me, I don't care. That guy lied to you. Listen, if you live like hell, you're going there. I tell people now, you wouldn't want to go to heaven. God's there. You don't care about God. The Bible church, you don't care anything about God. Well, You'd hate heaven. You'll like hell better. All your friends are going to be there. <clears throat> now, this is the deal, though. See, once you're saved, listen, when I got saved, nobody said, hey, Stephen, you ought to quit smoking weed. Really, you ought to quit shooting cocaine in your veins. No, I, you know what? I knew that wasn't right. I was sharp way back then. See, I knew. That I was all into stupid. And when I got saved, God said, listen, you don't want to smoke anymore. I don't, I, you don't want to shoot drugs. No, I don't. You don't want to do those things. Well, I had a new heart. Does that make sense? And so if you've not been changed, there's been no Christ. It's not. A, listen, I don't work because I'm saved. I, work, I mean, I don't work to be saved. I work because I'm saved. I don't give so God will be happy. God's already happy. I give because I'm grateful. I serve because I'm grateful. Does that make sense? See, the law demands that grace delivers. The law condemns and grace cleans. The law is about death and grace is about life. Listen, remember when Moses goes back to Egypt and gets the children of Israel and brings them out? Did they blow it on the way to Mount Sinai? Man, they stepped all in and stupid all the time. They complained, they mocked God. They said, we're going to kill Moses. See, if I figure if they're going to kill Moses, you can be mad at me. I'm okay. Are you with me? If a third of the angels can leave God from heaven to follow Lucifer, then I figure if you're mad at me, that's all right. You know, and, and so uh, you know what I'm talking about? Because people are always mad at something. But this is what you'll notice from Egypt to Mount Sinai nobody died. Nobody. They griped about God, they complained, they said, We're going back, we're going to kill you, Moses. They did all this stuff. Nobody died until Moses went to the mountain, and he came back down the mountain with the two stone tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments. After that, people started dying. I mean, listen, they started dying. Snakes went in. I mean, God's giraffes fell. Why? Because the law brings death. Because the law proves that we're sinners. Does that make sense? So the law, we all knew we were sinners. That's why we're saved, because we said, hey, we're so sorry. See, the law shows your deficiencies, but grace shows his sufficiencies. The law makes you sin conscious. Grace makes you righteousness conscious. The law shows you failed. Grace shows you're more than a conqueror. The law shows that what you must do, the grace shows what he's already done. The law makes you self-conscious. Grace makes you Jesus-conscious. Grace is greater. It is greater. If you're born again, you are signed and sealed and delivered, tax, title, and license, lock, stock, and barrel. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. God is smiling today. You are blessed. You're in the beloved. You're seated with the cross in the heavenly with all spiritual blessings, and God's having a great day and ought to be. A great day for you because you have the favor of God. Amen. Come on, somebody help me. That's the deal? I get up every day. Says so it's going to be an unbelievable day. It's going to be an unbelievable day. Why? Because God's happy. Yeah, but look at all you did. Yeah, I know it, man. I did. I blew it bad. Michelle says, "Look how he did. I know it, honey. I blew it really bad." Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Man, I'm I'm covered. <laughs> she says, says, Cop out. Oh, well, call it what you want. I'm covered. <laughs> Peace out, baby. <laughs> no lunch. Huh? I got it. All right, so, so this is the deal. This is what we do. All of us, every one of us, this is why we're hammering this. We take the old and we mix it with the new. And I want, I want you to listen. Seth. Listen. If you take the law and you mix it with grace, you immediately take out the joy. You immediately take out the freedom. You immediately take out the victory. You immediately take out the liberty, and you add it with, with the law. You add it with legalism. You add it into guilt, and you add it into shame. And you're wondering, hey, preacher talks every week that ought to be full of joy and victory. Why am I not? Because you brought in the law, and you're riding the teeter-totter. You're riding the seesaws, God mad or not. See, Jesus said again, you can't put new wine or no wineskins because he said, listen, If you put new wine and no wineskins, you lose them both. You lose the wine because the wineskin's going to bust, ruin the wineskin, and the wine's going to pour out. But that's what we do. We add the old and the new. The old covenant was, if you do this, then I'll do that. If you'll do this, then I'll bless you. If you don't, then I'll curse you. The new covenant is about grace and forgiveness, and all his promises are yes and amen. That's the new covenant. Now we talked about Ephesians two eight. Now let me give you John chapter ten verse twenty eight. Just a couple of promises from God to you and to me. In the New Testament, isn't it? Yeah. There we go. John ten twenty eight. I give them eternal. I give life to eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. In Romans over a couple books, Romans chapter 8. And if you read Romans 9... The Apostle Paul is lamenting the fact that he sins and he doesn't want to. He blows it and he doesn't want to. He's lamenting the fact, but he says in Romans eight one, thanks be to God, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Did I say no condemnation? Because the Word of God says there are no condemnation. And he goes on in verse thirty seven of Romans eight. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present or things to come, or powers or heights or depths, nor any other created thing will be able to separate. From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you are under the covenant of grace. Whoa, that is good. I was telling you. So, you get to choose. Do you want to be under the law? Because the Bible states clearly that through the law, no man's justified. You want to be under grace? It's wide open. Hey, listen, the door's wide open. Jesus said, All you that are hungry and thirsty, come unto me. Now, if you say, You know what, preacher, man, you're so right. I've got to walk in victory. I've had so many emails and Facebooks about this series already, but if you say, you know what, I'm under grace and it's good and I'm grateful and I'm going to walk in freedom because I've been forgiven, just raise up your hand. All of our campuses, raise them up high. Father God, we raise our hands in celebration. We raise our hands and in and, and just rejoicing because our name is written in your light, in your book, because we're going to heaven, because your favor's on us here. We are a success, not because of what we have, but because of who we have and we have Jesus and He died for us and He bought our pardon our forgiveness and our freedom, and we're going to walk in that. We're going to celebrate that. We will not be bound under the law. We won't let people make us feel guilty. We're going to rejoice and walk in freedom that you paid such a dear price for. Lord Jesus, we celebrate it. We love you. We bless you. And we want to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, somebody give him some praise and help me preach in the house. Now, some of you, you're on a seesaw. Man, you know, golly, by my blew it. Doggone, man. But I went to church. Man, I'm doing, hey, I went to church. I, I'm doing better. But then, doggone it, somebody pulled out in front of me in the parking lot, flipped them off. Okay, I'm going back to hell. <laughs> but, you know, I went out to eat, took my family out to eat, and I said grace, and preachers, hard to say grace. Woo, man, I'm back. Good. And then I got home, and my wife said something. I said, you know, I kicked the dog and smacked the kid. Oh, I'm on my way to hell again. Man, and some of you have been checking the envelopes and you've been trying to go to church. You've been trying to work your way and trying to get good enough so that you will believe that God will forgive you and God will accept you. Let me tell you, all you got to do is ask in Jesus' name. And so if you're here and you say, Pastor, man, man, I want to be with you. I'm so sick and tired of riding the roller coaster. I'm so sick of the hamster wheel. I'm so sick. I want to live under the new covenant of grace. I don't know that I've ever been saved, but I want Jesus to come in my heart and forgive me. Man, if that's you, listen, we have a gift for you. Listen, just say, nobody, nobody's going to drag you down an aisle, but slip your hand and say, hey, pray for me, Pastor. I want under grace, man. I want, I just slip it up. Come on, slip it up high so we can it. Here we go, slip it up. Come on, all right. Anybody else, slip them up. All right, at all of our campuses, let's just pray with these folks right now with heads bowed. Let's pray aloud with them. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned, and I'm sorry. Come into my heart and be my Lord. I accept your gift. Now help me to walk by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said. And let me tell you, Jesus took every one of these rocks that you did that was evil. He carried them on the cross and he covered every rock with his blood. And God no longer sees them. For you are fully and freely forgiven. And my friends, that is the good news of the gospel. Amen. Give the Lord some praise. Now we're gonna be dismissed in just a minute. There's gonna be pastors down here. If you prayed that prayer with me, they've got some, they've got a stack of books, one of my books, and some other books to give you. Or maybe you'll take the communication card and say, hey, I have prayed with a pastor. Or I need baptism or or I need to <clears throat> get involved in a small group or serving, or I want to sign me up for next steps so I can learn to be, I want to find out how to get more involved. Just fill those cards out. You can put them in the offering box with your tithes and offerings. As you leave, take some of these cards. The hunt is on on one side. Shadows. They're at all of our doors at all of our campuses. Give them out. Invite your friends. Hey, can we see 10,000 on Easter weekend? Can we do that? Come on. Come on. Now, the schedule is on this card. If you can do it, listen, if you can do it on Easter weekend, I want to free you up. Come Friday night at 7 o'clock. Okay? Cause you know what this place is going to be like—the last service on Sunday morning—it's going to be a zoo. Okay, so you know, come g- if you can come Saturday night. Come Saturday night. If you if you got friends, you're going to bring them Easter and take them out to lunch. Then you come on Sunday morning, one of our two services, and we're we've got additional services at our other campuses, and we're just believing God's going to pack them in. We just believe it. Amen. And also operating in as much as next month. If you can serve, you can sign up with a group or individual and go to our mission spot. It's out by our old front door. It's coffee out there. Stop. You can, we've got a lot of family-friendly events this year. If you want your kids to serve with you, you could sign up, man. It's a Saturday. We spend about three hours just going out and sharing the love of Jesus by helping people out. And so we're we're praying that, man, there'll be a couple thousand people out that day. Listen, has it been good to be in the house of God? Amen. We love you. Be blessed. See you next weekend. Hey, if you're you're interested in a Honduras mission trip, if you'll see Michelle right down here, if you'd like to go on that mission trip, come down and get some info.